Hello, and thanks for joining Wicker Park Lutheran Church Sermons. Wicker Park Lutheran Church is a diverse ELCA Lutheran congregation in the Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago. We gather at 10 a.m. to fully live into our incarnational faith as we experience God's presence in the gathered assembly, and we welcome you to join us. In just a moment, you'll first hear with a gospel reading from the associated sermon for the service that you're about to listen to. We hope that that gospel gives you some context before you jump right into the sermon. Thanks for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to Jesus said to the disciples, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. While they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Please pray with me. May the Holy Spirit guide, guide these words from my mouth. May they be heard with open hearts. According to your will, Lord Jesus. Amen. It was a cold winter night in La Crosse, Wisconsin, during the freezing temperatures in February 2012. We were inside the basement of a church, not much different than here. That evening, I was volunteering for the first time with three other people to keep a safe place for the unhoused people in the city. However, there were rules, like only being able to check in during a certain window of time. After people checked in, we ate dinner together. The four of us volunteers were sitting in the hallway, looking at the main room where guests were sleeping, and looking up at the glass doors of the entrance and the glass windows there, when suddenly we heard we look up at the glass doors and see someone's face peering in with their hands and palms pressed against the glass, pleading, hey, can you please let me in? The oldest person there, a seasoned volunteer, declared, no, I'm sorry, check-in is only between 7 and 9 p.m., and it's midnight right now. You're going to need to find somewhere else to sleep tonight. The young man's head dropped down low, and he turned around and went back into the cold darkness. Another volunteer there said, that's not right. We shouldn't have done that. We should have let him in. The older man defended his actions saying, no, that's the rules. We need to follow them. And I sat and watched silently, confused, wondering about why things are this way. 
It's like in today's reading. Lord, Lord, please open up to us. I do not know you. Seems like a pretty harsh consequence for being foolish. Does Jesus punish those of us who are foolish that make mistakes? Like the young man who we turned away that cold February night? I mean, he was late. Yet I think he was hoping for something. Maybe like mercy or grace. Does Jesus punish those who are foolish? Yet I wonder if maybe he was late to that check-in because he was helping a friend who was maybe overdosing and he had to use Narcan to save their life and he was just waiting until that friend stabilized before leaving. What if he was working a job that had him there until 11.30 at night and he couldn't get to the church basement that night until midnight? Is that him being foolish? Is it his fault? Let's shift things a little bit and look instead at those of us who are already inside that basement. I mean, we could be considered wise, maybe. We were well off enough to volunteer. Those guests were wise enough to check in during the window of time. We must be doing something, right? Yet something didn't feel right. Even though what my fellow volunteer said was true, that we were just following the rules, Something in that statement had an eerily similar resonance with the excuses of the Nazi soldiers after the Holocaust, saying we were just following orders. Makes me think about the remembrance of Kristallnacht that happened two days ago. It's 85 years ago where hundreds of Jewish-owned businesses, synagogues, and homes were vandalized and destroyed in Nazi Germany, Austria, and Sudetenland. However, it was more than just property destruction. It was an ethnic massacre, a pogrom, because hundreds of Jewish people were killed over those two days, and as we know, it only got worse from there as the Holocaust grew more horrendous in the following years with millions of Jewish people being systematically killed by the Nazis. Now, I do not mean to say this older volunteer who said he was following the rules by not letting the young man stay in the church that night is at the same level of the Nazi soldiers murdering the Jewish people in World War II. World War II. That is not the same equivalent. I want to make that clear. But I do want to show there is a spectrum of what can happen when we do not see the human suffering we respond with indifference and defer our moral action to human authorities and rules. In our reading from Amos, the Lord had it up to here with traditional forms of worship and ritual because God's people were missing the ethical covenant with one another. Things were upside down from what God wanted where the poor were being defrauded and robbed, where leadership was corrupt, where justice was denied. God doesn't want us to simply follow the rules of an unjust system where the most vulnerable suffer and are punished. At the end of chapter 25 in Matthew, our Lord Jesus Christ is retelling the importance of ethical action towards our fellow human beings. Truly, I tell you, just as you did or did not do to the least of these who are members of my family, 
you did it to me. I find it hard to believe Jesus, whose parents were turned away and told, we have no room for you. For him to be born in a manger, a barn, how cold it might have been that night in which he was brought into this world. Yet through that cold night, our redeeming hope was born. You see, Jesus speaking of the kingdom of heaven in our gospel today is not to be examined with our earthly, worldly expectations because dare I say that to be wise is not to be just about arriving on time or volunteering to be a good Christian. It's definitely not wise to just follow the rules and orders or to stay silent like myself that night in the face of human suffering. In fact, I'd say doing those things are the examples of what it is to be foolish. For to be wise is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the oil that we need to fill up on as much as we possibly can. This is how we be wise like the young maidens in the gospel. With their trimmed wicks and extra oil, the blessed spirit is freely given to us to liberate us from the sin of indifference to the suffering of our fellow human beings. We receive this Holy Spirit the moment we are baptized. And that spirit will never leave us. We do have an amazing opportunity in tending this relationship too. We are blessed by the Spirit to strive for justice and peace on this earth. The justice that is spoken about by Amos, let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. It is by the grace bestowed upon us by the Holy Spirit that we can witness the depths of Christ in the eyes of our neighbors, the strangers, and even our enemies. To be moved by the Spirit into action, to tend to their needs and speak out against injustice, declaring God's liberating for all of us. That being said, like the older volunteer or myself who didn't let that young man inside, we'll all be foolish and fall short from time to time having moments where we don't answer the door to someone in need. We won't speak with the person outside asking for change. We'll look away when someone asks, por favor, ayudar, please help. We can get burned out, overwhelmed, and even hopeless by the suffering in this world to where we just want to say enough and go on autopilot and almost asleep to it. These moments can be like the maidens, both foolish and wise, who fell asleep in the parable as they awaited the arrival of the bridegroom, much like the disciples that fell asleep when Jesus was praying at Gethsemane, about to be arrested. But as we know, even after the death of Jesus, he was risen. He conquered death. Hope came renewed and resurrected from the depths of despair. He forgave the disciples and brought them back into a place of glory through his grace and mercy. They'd be able to try better and continue to be guided by the Holy Spirit in their efforts. It was their faith given by Jesus that kept them on the sacred path, despite their own failings, despite our own failings. We still have that same Holy Spirit within us, moving ahead of us, showing us the way of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ that we are constantly awaiting and yet is here with us now. 
we come together to worship our Lord and to be liberated by these teachings of how to be good neighbors and human beings to one another in this sanctuary and also outside these walls. Recently, my seminary had its annual dinner with Holocaust survivors at a nursing home in Hyde Park. Bared witness to their stories of tragedy and triumph, at the end of that night, we got to ask them questions. One elder told us, I want you to know there were good people too. Those who helped us, kept us safe. Another elder said, we had underground Jewish fighters, people that helped us survive, helped my mom and I escape. I want that story to be told too, that we didn't just go to our deaths, we fought back too. A third elder who is 102 years old, she's about to turn 103 in January, told us in response to the question, what's something important to you that you want us to bring forth to our congregations about your story of survival and your experiences? She replied, try to do the right thing. It's not easy though to know what that right thing is. It's still important to keep trying to do the right thing. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that your grace be embodied more and more within us so that our lamps may be filled with that sacred oil of your Holy Spirit that will guide us to see you when we see our neighbors, strangers, and everyone else when they come knocking at the doors of our hearts. Amen.